welcome to another episode of the Desert Shift Podcast. I'm your host, Chase Beersley, along with my fellow host, Tyler Cast. Tyler, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing really good. I only got a, a few weeks, I think a few days left here in Phoenix, so I gotta enjoy the nice weather while I can. Yeah, it's uh, it's very sad that you won't be here no longer, so we'll be doing podcasts over Zoom. <laughs> Yay. Um, I mean... You know, it's kind of a a sad day here um, because the A's are most likely going to Las Vegas. But uh, that's another sport. Uh, But, you know, we got a lot of hockey news. You know, we got the playoffs. We got some firing and changes within organizations. We got some expansion stuff. You know, just a, a lot of fun here at the Desert Shift Podcast HQ and Cronkite. So we're going to quickly start by running through uh, what's happening in the playoffs thus far. Um, today is Thursday, April 20th. Happy 420, guys. Um, just kidding. We don't do that here. Um, so well, we'll start with the Eastern Conference. Currently, the Lightning and the Maple Leafs, uh, Tampa Bay leads that series 1-0. They play again today at 4 the Rangers lead the Devils uh, 1-0 in their series. That game th- or game two starts at 4.30 today. Carolina last night taking a 2-0 lead in the series with a goal and OT by Jasper Fast. Uh, Tyler's Islanders are down 2-0. The next game, game three in New York, the first ever game playoff game at UBS, starts at 4. Um... That would be on Friday, uh, April 21st. And then the Panthers coming out and tying the game yesterday, tying the series. Um, Series is now tied one apiece. Um, That game, that next game is at 4.30 uh, on Friday as well. Going to the Western Conference, the Seattle Kraken take their first ever lead in a playoff series in franchise history. They lead the Avalanche 1-0. Game 2 is tonight at 6.30. The Vegas Golden Knights coming out and not doing anything against the Winnipeg Jets. Connor Hellbuck, a fantastic game, by the way. Uh, Winnipeg leads that series 1-0. Next game tonight at 7. The Stars and the Wild, after a Wild Game 1 that went to double OT. Double OT was not needed or OT at all as the Stars pretty much slaughtered the Wild. Um... Game three is at 6.30 on Friday, and that series is tied one apiece. And then the Oilers and the Kings, after a surprising OT win from the Kings, the Oilers came back and uh, curb-stomped the Kings into, into this 1-1 series tied. Um, and that next game is tomorrow at 7. Uh, quick thoughts from you before we get into the main meat of our podcast which series have you had the most fun watching? Which series have you been the most disappointed in so far? Um, honestly, uh, the two series that I watched the most are the Islanders and the Kings series. But besides that, the most fun is probably Dallas-Minnesota just because of that overtime game. That was a crazy game. Uh, I didn't really watch much of the the Rangers or the, the Tampa Leafs series. Uh, just because I feel like those two were kind of blowouts the first game. Uh, I also think it's kind of hard to tell right now where each series is going just because, you know, most teams have only, they haven't played the other teams uh, home yet. They're at, you know, we've only had one or two games in every single series. 
So um, uh, I think we'll have more of a, a, a gaze of where everything's at after we see all the teams play at least two or three games and we see um, every single team play at home because I think that uh, e even if you're up to nothing in a series, it's, it's not the easiest thing to go into the other team's building and take those two games, so you never know. Um, and also teams that are tied 1-1 and going back home, th that those if those home teams win those games, they can easily be, you know, three one going back away. So I think it's important that we see those those home games first, games three and four, mm. uh, for the lower C teams uh, before we really get like a gaze of where everything's at. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me personally, uh, the Dallas Minnesota series has easily been the best series. I mean, game one was incredible with the double OT. I think that was one of my favorite games I've ever seen live. Uh, it was just such a fun game. Uh, so many good chances, and I did not expect that Minnesota win in double OT. Um, I think the um, – which game was it? I think Carolina and the Islanders has actually been underrated. A lot of people are saying it's a snooze fest, but I've been having fun with it. I mean, the highlights from yesterday's game were were fun to watch. I, unfortunately, was working yesterday, so I did not get to see as fast as – OT winner to plunge the Islanders down into a 2 nothing series deficit. Um, the series I've been most disappointed, though, obviously the Tampa-Toronto series. That was domination by Tampa. Even though they're injured the tr to hell and back, the fact that they win to Toronto and took a 7-3 uh, win just speaks volume and shows that Tampa is still Tampa, even though a lot of people have ran them off um but beyond like the first couple of goals it was kind of iffy after the first period maybe and then the devil's rangers game was pretty much done by the first or second period i mean jack hughes penalty uh shot didn't really do much for the devils as they went down although i will say that bruins panthers series I don't think I think we were all expecting Panthers to squeak out one game, but not a dominating six three win, even though Bruins are also injured. And then the Seattle game was also a lot of fun. Um, LA and the Oilers, I mean it seems like yesterday's game wasn't as fun, but the first game was pretty pretty interesting, pretty entertaining. Uh I think the first period was hard to watch because McDavid and Drysdale were buzzing, but then the Kings eventually shut them down. So I think all these uh, games and series have been really fun, but my highlight highlights in the West gotta be Stars and Wild. Yeah. And then in the East, I I, I really I have really been enjoying the Canes Isles game, even though um, I'm rooting hard for the Canes here. Actually, um, I, I think in the Kings Oilers series that. Um Obviously, McDavid's still been good, but mm. uh, he really hasn't done anything. Yeah. I mean, he has one point in the two playoff games. That's just an assist. It's been all dry sidle. The Kings have shut down McDavid uh, as best as they could, but it's really been all dry sidle. And um, the thing is that the Kings have not played good at all in that series, and they've just been able to squeak out a win. They've been able to keep it close. And um, I just think that it's it proves the point that the Oilers are kind of like an overrated team that a Kings team, you know, who hasn't even played their best hockey, if they pick it up as the series goes on, I think that they're going to not not even have the hardest time taking care of the Oilers. Yeah, I completely agree. So we got a couple, more than a couple, uh, mutual um, decisions for people to leave organizations, and we do have a firing. We're going to start with the firing because 
there's a, a lot to talk about here. Ron Hextall and his assistant GMs and Brian Burke, who's the president, have all been fired by the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, this happened last week. Uh, obviously, playoffs happened, so we weren't able to touch on this, but you want to start on the Pittsburgh Penguins firing. Uh, this is probably the best news that the Penguins fans have had all year because uh, finally they uh, they have a front office that will probably have some sort of direction that they want to go in because under their, their old front office, you know, it, is, it wasn't really clear what they wanted to do. They still wanted to contend, but, you know, they were at the point where they weren't good enough. They were good enough to, to get into the playoffs, but, you know, not really do anything. So, I mean, now that they're going to have a new front office, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to have to make decisions on where they want to go. Um, you're probably not going to want to totally rebuild while you still have your, your core guys there, like Crosby, Latang, Malkin, even like Gensel. Um, but you're probably going to want to go in the direction of like where the Capitals and like Predators were going, where you still have your core, but you want to add younger, faster players, go a retool, uh, maybe miss the playoffs again next year. But, you, you know, you... Well, you still have Crosby. He's, I wouldn't say he's in his prime anymore, but he's still an elite player, yeah. you know, who will put up points for you. So while you still have that from Crosby, you know, you're going to want to still go make the playoffs and try to contend while he's there. And I think that um, the old regimen that was there, you know, they were trying to do that while getting older, which is they will not the exact how you do opposite it. of what yeah. they want to do. So I think this is probably the best news for Penguins fans. Um, I, I don't want to see the Penguins succeed, so I, I'm kind of mad about it. Um, because they're probably gonna be pretty competent now, depending on who, uh, like who they get, you know, where the hires go. But I think that nothing could be worse than what uh, Hexel was doing there. I'm just glad they didn't fire Mike Sullivan because I really do think Mike Sullivan isn't the problem. I think he's one of the best coaches in hockey currently, and the fact that he was even able to get them near a playoff spot with this really crappy team is incredible. Listen, when you acquire Mikel Granlin at the trade deadline and you're at, you're the oldest team in the NHL, there is something wrong with your management because that Mikel Granlin trade is absolutely awful. And looking through what they did in Pittsburgh, it was just awful. That that contract that they gave Brock McGinn was terrible. It's a Dmitry Kulikov trade, like what was that? Pat, I mean, it's just what what are you doing? What what are you doing here? You're getting older, like you mentioned, and that's not what you want to do if you're Pittsburgh. You want to surround Crosby, Malkin, and Latang with younger players, and that's why you had John Marino. That's why you had Jake Gensel. They they just trade away John Marino for Jeff Petrie eventually, and Jeff Petrie has been absolutely awful for Pittsburgh. And the fact that they don't really have any prospects besides, I would say, uh, Nathan Pullin, uh, Nick Legacy, I think his name is. Yeah. Um, then Alex Nylander, but is he anything? Um, I mean, to be fair, um, what's his name came up for the blue line this year? Um, don't know why I am forgetting his name, but he was in the Phil Castle trade. Oh, Pierre Joseph. Yeah, Pierre Joseph. Um, I, I mean, he played decent this season. And there's one other player that I'm forgetting. But the fact that you trade away all these assets and now this is the mess you're dealing with, it's not okay. And Ty Smith was the everyone, and he's really struggled in Pittsburgh. It's just 
terrible if you're a Pittsburgh fan. Like, the only things you have right now is that you guys brought back the Robo Penguin jersey, which is the best jersey in the league. Um, and, I mean, Sidney Crosby's still really good. And that's about it. Tristan Jari is awful. And I was a defender of Tristan Jari until this season. And then, especially in that game against Chicago, where they needed to win, Tristan Jari was absolutely pathetic in that appearance. And so was Mikhail Grenlin. And so was the acquisition for Nick Benito. And so was that. I mean, it goes on and on. You look at the third or fourth line that he tried to assemble, and it was terrible because it was Brock McGinn. It was... McGinn, did McGinn get traded to the Ducks? He did. And then Kasperi Captain. Yeah. And then you had someone else on that line. I believe it might have been Zucker on the third line. Yes, and I mean, they also had Bluger on the bottom six who's gone. Yeah, who played pretty decent for Pittsburgh. I didn't like that trade for Pittsburgh, if I, if I was honest. And I think that Kasperi Captain trade just sums this whole thing up. The fact that you traded for an asset that you had did not work out. You traded back for him, including for a first-round pick. And then you you totally ruin him and give him a terrible contract. And I think the worst mistake I think that this Penguins regime had was the Jared McCann situation. The fact that you protected um, Jeff Carter ahead of Jared McCann, who has blossomed and was blossoming in Pittsburgh, arguably. The fact that you trade him to Toronto to protect Jeff Carter is the dumbest decision any GM has has made in the expansion draft. So, there's that. And I'm glad they fired everyone in the GM department because apparently it was the assistant GM that really pushed hard for Mikel Granlund to get traded to Pittsburgh. It has yeah. been awful. Yeah, I mean, I think this will be a test for whoever takes over. It's just going to be... Yeah, you're kind of in a tough spot. They're screwed! Yeah, I mean... Uh, you kind of make the got to make some tough decisions because I mean if you choose that you want to go into like a rebuild you gotta you know you gotta have the decisions with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, you know guys who you want to stick around in Pittsburgh for their for you know their entire career but if you want to rebuild then these guys might not want to stay there for a whole rebuild so I mean you're gonna have some tough decisions to make it's a it's a tough job taking over that team right now but uh, I mean, I think it'll be a true test because if if they could figure it out in Pittsburgh, they'll they'll easily become one of the best GMs in the league. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. I mean, you still have that nice core in Crosby, Malkin, Gensel, Rust. I don't think Latang is that good. I'm be honest. I've always thought Chris Latang has been overrated. But you have those main four on the forward group. Now you just gotta figure out who you're gonna surround them with. What would be your first steps in Pittsburgh if you took over? Um, I, I think I, I would try and move out the guys who still have value, but, mm-hmm. you know, you might not see in their long term. Maybe, like, a guy like Zucker. Um, I think Rust is good, but I think maybe Rust could fetch you some, some decent picks or prospects. And then even some of, like, the, the bottom pair guys, maybe on, uh, like, defense, um, guys like uh, Friedman, who, you know, uh, isn't a terrible player, but isn't really great, you know, and try and pick up some, you know, younger guys. Uh, kind of like what the the Predators did, but not like fully where, you know, you have the guys with value, but who won't be there long term and you just trade them and try to get younger. Yeah. I mean, I think my first goal is to try to get out all the old guys 
and try to get something back from him. So Jeff Petrie, Mikhail Granlin, you're you're out. You're terrible. Go go away. See if someone like Arizona wants them. Um, feed them their contracts, or maybe an actual contender. Uh, Jeff Carter is another one that would be out the door in minutes if I was if I took over. But I would also try to revamp the goaltending because the goaltending has been absolutely miserable for Pittsburgh. I would really inquire about Thatcher Demko in Vancouver, see if you can trade for him without trading any future or youthful assets. See, I mean, Vancouver is obviously not the uh, smartest front office in the league, no offense, Vancouver fans, but see if you can get, if you can swing a trade for them. Ah, it's just, it's just hard. You got to start getting younger and acquiring Jeff Carter, Mikhail Granlin, and others is not the is not the way. And I would also trade Brian Dumlin. He has not been great uh, recently for Penguins, and I think it's just time for him to go. Yeah, I I also wouldn't I like if I was their GM, I wouldn't be opposed to kind of like the the Coyote strategy where you give guys who have struggled in the past kind of need a fresh start. You know, one year cheap deals. Um, you know. And, you know, you kind of like what they did with Bukestad, what they did with Josh Brown. You know, guys who were maybe, like, journeymen, uh, struggled a little bit for a few years, want to, like, uh, you know, re, you know, revitalize their career, give them one-year contracts for cheap, and, you know, kind of fill out your bottom six that way. Because, I mean, we saw it work for, for guys, uh, especially guys like Bukestad and Josh Brown with the Coyotes. They had really great years. Um, you know, they really revitalized themselves, their careers. It'll probably make a decent amount of money this offseason. So I think if they do that, find some guys who have struggled in the past and really want to prove themselves again. Because I feel like they, they need guys who, who you know, they want to work. It kind of felt like the Penguins were more of a lazy team this year. Um, they were older and slower. And you want guys who, like, want to prove themselves, want to prove they could still play. And this year kind of felt, guys, especially guys like Carter and Petrie, like, they were just, like, slugging. They didn't really care. They didn't care about, like, proving themselves if they want to, like, make the playoffs. So I think that you need you need guys who still have like a lot of passion and you know play hard. And that was a huge issue with the Penguins. They were slow, and that's something that's been an issue with the Penguins probably since the 2017 Cup win. That they've just gotten slower and slower, and it showed. The fact that they lost to both Chicago and Columbus really speaks volume, because we even said like if the Penguins lose these games, they do not deserve to be in the playoffs. And they lost both of them. Like, how do you lose against two of the worst teams in the league? Like, that is straight-up embarrassing. Like, when your playoffs are on the line. And I'm kind of glad it happened to them because we saw what the Detroit Red Wings did to extend their playoff streak uh, to 20-plus years, I believe. We saw what they had to do. They acquired these really bad contracts and... Look how that paid off for them, and they're still in the midst of a rebuild. They're probably a year or two out from getting out of it, but it's been since 2017 since they last made the playoffs. Because uh, they made it in 2016, missed in 2017. Um, we saw what happened to them. Washington's being smart. Like They're not going to rebuild with Ovechkin, but they're going to do a quick retool, and I think that's exactly what Pittsburgh should do if they were smart. Obviously, you have a lot to, to work with if you're... Fenway here, you need to get a new GM, and then you got to decide what's going to happen because there's a lot of decisions here that need to be made. Uh, Crosby's contract ends in two seasons, um, and the questions if he wants to remain a Penguin have already started swirling around. 
if you're if you're Fenway, you do not want your star player to leave this organization because even at this age, he's still one of the best players in the league. I would say top three at least. I'm be honest. Until McDavid wins the cup as a complete player, overall player, I think Crosby's still better than him. All time, yes, but currently, yeah, all time uh, is my yeah, bad. My bad, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, it's, it's going to be confusing for Penguins fans, and it's going to be rough. I don't think they make the playoffs next season. If I were to look at the teams now. Unless they, unless miraculously their draft pick, I don't think they can even enter the top. No, uh, I think the highest they can move up is like four or five picks, and like get like ninth or tenth overall. Yeah, no, they're they're screwed. And I, do they even own their first overall pick this season? Uh, I think they do. Yeah, they're they're screwed. Um, I'm also interested to see which direction they go with the GM because personally, I think they should hire somebody young somebody who doesn't have like they have experience being a gm but not like um with like an nhl team because i think they need like fresh ideas you know a totally uh just fresh younger atmosphere there i think going to a guy who's experienced and who has worked with other teams Mm -hmm. has kind of like uh hurt i mean i just think that'll hurt them more than home yeah, so currently we have a Penguins fa- uh, fan on the on the phone right now. Um, this is Joseph Furtado. You might know him from the women's hockey team at ASU being the play-by-play uh, announcer for them. He does also a lot of other stuff, but a little unknown facts about Joseph Furtado. He is also a Penguins fan. Joseph, we are currently speaking about the Penguins and them firing Ron Hextall. What are your opinions on it? I, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it was much needed, you know, just wiping out that the whole front office like that, getting rid of Ron Hextall, like I said, was uh, was a huge start. I mean, you know what they say, right? You know, those, the two rivals between the Penguins and the Flyers, I guess you can never trust a Flyer, can you? But it, he just, like, the organization where he was going with, with the Penguins just... You know, the team was really old, the oldest team in the NHL, and wasn't really adding a lot of talent, especially with some of the trades that he did decide to to bring in, you know, and get rid of a lot of players, not choosing to protect players like he chose to protect Jeff Carter, okay, in the expansion draft instead of McCann. Look what happened, how that turned out. I mean, like, Pittsburgh's average age, I believe, is like 35. So, you know, it's good to see him gone, and I'm going to be curious to see who they bring in. Yeah, now, Joseph, we kind of talked about what we would do if we were coming in as a GM into the Penguins organization. Uh, what would you do? You obviously maybe know a little bit more about the Penguins than us uh, as you're a Penguins fan, but what would you do if you were hired right now as the GM of the Penguins? Uh, well, you know what? I think as long as you have a Sidney Crosby uh, on your team, you're always going to be competitive, and especially that goes to with having Evgeny Malkin. You also have Chris Letang, so those those three, like I said, you're always going to make you competitive, and 
They're always going to be in a win-now situation. So, I mean, I think for Pittsburgh, like, you know, they need to get younger, obviously. They need some more speed. They they don't really have a lot of that that second, third-line scoring aside from Sidney Crosby in, in his line playing with Jake Gensel. I mean, they that, that top line for them produced most of the work. I mean, now you do have Ryan Rust, Evgeny Malkin, like I said, but they, they need some help, like I said, on the second, third, you know, those bottom six forwards uh, in terms of scoring. They don't have a lot of that. Their goal ending too was was probably the worst in the league. They're the two goaltending tandems and and Casey to Smith and Tristan Jari. So if I'm Pittsburgh, you need a lot of work to do over the offseason, especially addressing the goaltending issue. That's number one. If I had to pick anything, I mean Tristan Jari, you know, I would I would move on trying to get a uh um, a decent goaltender because uh, you know if you're not stopping pucks back there, then you know what what you know scoring a bunch of goals isn't going to matter. So I would I would first go to a goaltender and then start working on uh, uh, my offense. Yeah. Now, uh, Joe, we we also talked a little bit about Mike Sullivan. He's being retained by the team. Do you think this was a good move by the Penguins? You know, it's been like mixed reviews with people about Mike Sullivan. I personally really like Mike Sullivan. I mean, he he stepped right in for Mike Johnson when he was fired back in was 2016, that beginning, and ended up winning a Stanley Cup. And almost did what Dan Bilesma did for the Penguins when he stepped in as their head coach, the exact same thing, winning a Stanley Cup. And, you know, took him back-to-back years. Like, I think he's a solid coach, and I I think that the players that he is given, he doesn't have a lot to work with. So, I mean, like I said, your kind of hands are tied if your GM's not giving you a whole lot. So I I think it's a good keep to keep Mike Sullivan there. Let's try it with the new GM, you know, and see if we can bring in some more players and, you know, maybe reevaluate things after this next year and see how it's going. And maybe if it's not going so well and, you know, they're, they're not doing too well, then, hey, maybe you get rid of him again. Uh, and try to bring in another coach. Yeah, I, I completely agreed with you. And Tyler, I, I don't know if you agreed with uh, Mike Sullivan being one of the best coaches uh, currently in the NHL, but I think it was smart to retain him. What did you think, Tyler? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's also one of the only current coaches who has even won a Stanley Cup. I mean, there's not uh, too many of them left. So, I mean, I think you have a Stanley Cup winning coach. It's kind of hard to justify getting rid of him as uh, they just missed the playoffs one year. They could easily be back in it next year, so mm-hmm. I think it was smart to keep them. Yeah, I completely agree. The fact that he took them to two straight Stanley Cup Finals in the first two years that he worked there, I think he's a popular coach. I think he's a smart coach. I think he's one of the best coaches currently in the NHL. Now, Joseph, I don't know if you want to stick stick along and uh, talk about some other coaches that have been fired around the league, but... If you don't, I do have one last question for you, which is do you think the Penguins have a chance to make the playoffs next season? You know, like I said, going back to what I said, as long as you have, you know, the, those big three in Pittsburgh and Sidney Crosby and Kenny Malkin, Chris Letang, I think are always going to be competitive and you're always going to be in that win-now situation. You know, I mean, uh, that, those those three, like I said, such a big help for Pittsburgh and um you know, they're only one point out of the playoffs now. They, they should have made the playoffs realistically this year. If you go back and look, I mean, you had the easiest path compared to the Islanders and the Panthers to get into the postseason. You played the two worst teams in the league, and you still didn't get it. You played the Blackhawks, and then you played Columbus, and you played the Blackhawks at home who were playing in a double header. They played the night before, and then they were playing that night. And, you know, you got some help with the Panthers losing, the Islanders losing, and they still couldn't pull it out. So, I mean, 
uh, we'll see what happens you know, next year. I'm sure they'll be competitive. They'll always have a chance. But will they make the playoffs? I mean, we're going to see. The chance is there, obviously. But like I said, time will tell. Yeah, it's going to be tough, especially a lot of the Atlantic teams are coming up. Buffalo, obviously, almost uh, making the playoffs this season. Ottawa is going to get better. Detroit's going to get better. And you look at the Penguins, even in their own division, the Devils are uprising. The Rangers are still going to be good. Um, the Islanders are probably going to get a more secure spot next year, and so are the Canes. Um, they're probably going to win their division again, if I had to put another bet on it. So you look at all the teams in their division, and then even the Blue Jackets, uh, depending on who they get in the draft, could be Connor Bedard, could be Adam Fantelli. Uh, they most likely will improve massively, especially with the next coach we're going to talk about that is uh departing the uh an organization so joe i don't know if you want to stick stick along and uh talk about these other coaches with us but uh, i'll keep you on and you can hang up if you uh if you have no interest in this but um bring it on chase let's see what's what's uh the next uh topic here all right sounds good so we have the last place columbus blue jackets firing their head coach brad larson um, he was obviously the uh, replacement for John Tortorella when he left, um, I believe, was it the year after the bubble, um, Tyler? Yeah. yeah, it was the year after the bubble. Um, so I think Brad Larson's been two seasons now uh, with the Blue Jackets behind the bench, and a lot has happened. They've missed the playoffs both years uh, that he, he's been there. Um, Tyler, I'll you first. You're thoughts on brad larson uh leaving the organization um i don't think he was a good coach but it wasn't totally his fault i think he's one of those guys where he's a good uh like associate coach he was in columbus's organization for a while i think he uh, coached cleveland for a while and then he was an associate uh with columbus for a little bit but i think he's one of those guys good hockey mind but probably wasn't ready for a full-time head coaching role there's not a lot he could do i mean they they were injured to hell this year um, last year, he didn't even have a bad season last year. They finished like a game or two under 500. Um, they were w- not one of the worst teams in the in the East, but, you know, they were kind of middle of the pack there. Um, and, I mean, they didn't have a terrible team this year. I think he definitely underachieved. But I didn't, I didn't think he was the right guy at the time. And uh, I think that going forward, if they want to contend, this is probably a smart move. Joseph, your thoughts on Brad Larson? You know, I mean, like I said, you know, he, he was their assistant coach since, what, 2014 for a while and then got brought up, you know, for the job. So he, he's been in the organization over there for a long time. And like I said, Columbus, the last two years, not great. You missed the postseason twice. Obviously, their club is, is trying to, um, uh, you know, compete for a Stanley Cup. And when you're a coach, like I said, you know, not getting you in the playoffs, you're having really bad season after bad season. They just seem like they want to go in a different direction. And, you know, obviously the right choice to move on from Brad Larson. Like I said, he's been there for so long. It's time to maybe bring in some new coaches and new coaching staff, not just him, the assistant coaches, everything. And, uh, you know, try to uh, uh, bring that organization up. Yeah, I agree with the both of you. Um, obviously, uh, I think it was way back the right decision to uh leave tortorella um and switch to a younger coach but i don't think he was ready for it um i i just think with the amount of youth that you have that uh that firepower should have been way better than it was their offense uh one of the 
probably uh, worse than the league, in my opinion. Like, every time I tuned into a Blue Jackets game, um, there was, there was uh, one or two players that wouldn't be going. Like, Cole Sillinger uh, didn't have that great of a year this season after a breakout year last season. Kent Johnson did have a great year, and a couple of these rookies did, but you just figured that a huge part of Brad Larson's uh, failure here was his um, failure to get the offense going. And another thing that Columbus did was fire their their goaltending coach. And that's a huge thing because we've heard from goaltenders who have gone through Columbus that the goaltending coach has been excellent there. And, I mean, you see the goaltenders that Columbus has brought up, like Sergei Bobrovsky um, and Jonas Corposalo with the Kings and Elvis Merzlikens, who's still with the Jackets. All these goaltenders have turned pretty good, pretty solid. Uh, Bobrovsky is obviously the only one. And you could argue if he didn't have that huge contract and if he had a smaller contract that he would probably earn up to that contract. But obviously, I think this was the right move by the Jackets. Uh, I'm interested to see the type of person uh, he br- that they that team brings in. What do you guys think about Columbus's next head coach? Uh, well, I think that they should definitely go to somebody with more experience because uh, I think that now um, they they kind of have to start competing again because they don't even have a terrible team. I mean, you have the pieces there. They're going to get a top probably three pick. Um, so, I mean, it, it, you're kind of at the point where you have to start competing again. Um, and, I mean, I think just going for another young, like, inexperienced kind of developmental head coach is probably, you know, not the right move for them. Uh, I also don't think the goaltending situation was totally their fault. They were kind of forced to run with a guy like Mitchell Hutchinson and John Gillies at the end of the year because they traded Corpus Allo, and Merce Link is dealt with a lot of stuff. Uh, Tarasov was injured a bunch. So, I mean, that wasn't totally their fault. But, I mean, Merce Link is staying healthy, and that will be big for the next year. Yeah. Uh, Joseph, who do you think they, uh, the type of coach they hire next? Oh, man, you know, I mean, that's, that's, they just fired their head coach. So, you know, I mean, it, yeah, obviously they're going to have to take some time and kind of look over things. I mean, there's a lot of people that, you know, are available right now that you could go grab if you, you know, you want to hire somebody now. I mean, you have a couple people. You have, like, Todd Reardon. Pittsburgh Penguins is the head coach, you know. Didn't do a bad job, but, I mean, he's been there for a while. He's one of my... Um, heard some talks, you know, you got like Danny Briere, Philadelphia Flyers, you know, I know he's their general manager, uh, I mean, there's, there's a couple, like, people you could go after, you know, that, that are already coaching right now, I mean, it's, 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 like I said, it just happened today, so, uh, I'll just, you know, give them some time and see where they, you know, end up winding up and who they decide to pick. Yeah, the next bit of, uh, firings that's come out of the last two week and a half, um, Peter Lavalette. Out of Washington, they mutually decided to part ways. Uh, Washington, for it seems like since um, the 2018 Stanley Cup uh, run in championship, they've been swapping out head coaches like that. Obviously, Joseph, you mentioned Todd Reardon. He was one of the coaches that got fired by Washington. Now Peter Laboulette is out. What are you guys' thoughts on Peter Laboulette leaving? Um, Yeah, this was just like a mutual agreement. Um, his contract was up. I didn't really see him coming back because I just think that's not the direction Washington wants to go with. They want to get younger, and I think that also includes their coaching staff. 
this is a team that I actually think should go for more like an experienced younger coach just because I think that this kind of direction they want to go with the team and I think that that's okay when you have veterans there like uh, Backstrom, OV still, John Carlson. I think it's okay to go in a more uh, younger direction with your coach, a guy that is more inexperienced because even if he struggles behind the bench, I think you have the veterans um, in the lineup that you know will still help you win games. So I think that's the direction they should go to. Um, I'm interested to see where Laviolette goes because I still think he's a, uh, obviously a good coach. Um, uh, he didn't have the best year with the Capitals, but they were also injured a little bit, didn't have the best roster there. But uh, I still think that uh, a, a lot of teams are going to be interested in him because he's still, you know, Laviolette, that's still a pretty big name in the coaching market. Yeah, and he's a Stanley Cup champion, yeah. won with Carolina back in 06. He, it wasn't too long ago where he took the Nashville Predators all the way to the Stanley Cup final. He's still got that game in him. Joseph, what do you think of uh, Peter Laviolette? Game? Uh, no, Peter Laviolette. You know, me and him share the same birthday. Chase, if, uh, you know, as much as you love to laugh at me about those things. Um, you know, very, uh, very uh, good coach, like I said. I mean, I, I remember Pittsburgh always playing him and, and the battles he had. I always remember him uh yelling at dan bottles monster on top of the bench but like we said we just talked about columbus right now who's looking for a head coach and obviously like tyler just said big name peter lavillette don't think he's a bad coach at all i mean washington this year they, they were sellers you know i mean at the trade they were just getting rid of everybody that's what they were doing that you know they're trying to rebuild their whole team right now so i mean i think that's the reason why you know they're getting rid of uh peter lavillette want to go in a whole new direction so i mean He's a pretty big, you know, head coach, like I said. Coach the, the Flyers, Capitals, Predators. I mean, you know, hey, maybe the Blue Jackets even take a look at him too, I mean. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where he goes too. You know, there are two teams that come to mind instantly when I think of Pierre Avalette with the team. One of those teams is Florida. I know they have Paul Maurice currently as their coach. They did make the playoffs with Paul Maurice, but how much of that was Paul Maurice? I don't think he's a good coach at all. I think if Florida decides to make another head coaching change, he could be an interesting coach to keep an eye on. But the other one that I was really thinking of um, was actually an interesting team. Um, it's I don't know if it happens, though. Um, Seattle isn't their one. If they decide to move on from Dave Haxtell, I just don't think Dave Haxtell is a good coach. But the team I was ta- I was thinking about is Calgary because I think Peter Lavalette could be a, a good coach with that mold that they have. They're going to get a new GM. We'll talk about that in a second. But I again, I don't think Daryl Sutter is a good coach anymore. I think he's worn out his time. Um, I think Peter Lavalette could be a good fit for them and i think if they decide to go in that direction that could be interesting and then the final actual team that i think he could be that could be interested in him are the ottawa senators because dj smith obviously is their current head coach but he's struggled a lot he's come over under scrutiny by the ottawa media by fans of the team they don't really want him it seems like and they're going to go over an an ownership change I could totally see DJ Smith getting fired and then the Ottawa Senators taking a page on uh, Peter Laviolette. I think unlike Brad Larson, who I think ends up with a assistant coach job or a AHL head coach job, I think this is a coach that could instantaneously get a uh, head coaching job in a market like one of those couple of teams. So we'll see where P- Peter Laviolette ends up. There's one more team. He's coming back to the island. 
Uh, coming back to the island? Yeah. Coming no. Back to the coastal islanders. No. <laughs> it's gonna happen. No, because you guys have Lane Lambert, but um. I don't know. I think because you guys made it to the playoffs, Lane Lambert, he's yeah, safe for a while. I think as long as you make it to the playoffs, you're pretty much going to be, you know, not we'll fired, see. you know, because you made the playoffs. So you give him the one more year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's not been unheard of. I mean, Florida did last year with uh, their uh, intern head coach. I don't know. I, I don't think he goes to the island. I'm sorry, Tyler. But the last firing that we've had was Dallas Eakins with the Anaheim Ducks. That one was an interesting one. We kind of all expected it to happen. We thought it would probably be last season. He was sta- he stayed on for this season, and now he's officially gone. He's been with that organization for a while. He was the goals head coach before going up and being the Ducks head coach. He was supposed to be the next coach, big coach, to come out of the AHL. And nothing's really worked in, with the Ducks. Obviously, they're in the midst of the rebuild. They just got a new gener- general manager and Pat Verbeek not too long ago. And we're going to see Pat Verbeek hire his first head coach as a as a full-time GM. Tyler, your thoughts on Dallas Eakins and the Ducks? Yeah, he's the worst coach in the NHL. <laughs> wow, that was, uh, that was I guess, blunt. I guess he's not there anymore. I, I just, he literally had the the worst uh coaching strategy i've ever seen it was literally just do not play defense let them take as many shots as you want um you know leave leave your goalie out to try every single game i don't know it just nothing he did worked i mean he didn't have the best roster but they weren't like that terrible i mean he still had skill there and i just think like i get they're more offensive focused teams but they gave up the most shots in nhl history they didn't try and block like any shots you know they they loved letting guys just come in take shots uh, i just it was so stupid uh, and he, i didn't watch a ton of ducks games but every time i watched the ducks it was just like they hated hitting people they hated playing any type of physical game at all and like if you're if you're a coach i get they're a younger like less physical team but i don't get how you could like stand for that as a coach i mean you gotta it just seemed like none of his players were encouraged the guy just like didn't seem to care anymore i don't know i just i thought i didn't think it was terrible a few years ago but i just think that it got to the point where he knew he was gone and he just stopped caring and i think like even for a coach knowing that you're probably going to be gone i think the worst thing to do is just show your team that you don't care i agree joseph what did you think of dallas Eakins? yeah you know i mean like i said yeah Dealing with a young team, not a lot of talent on that team, and you know he didn't have a great coaching record with the Ducks. I mean, he he was below five hundred in coaching. Was he one hundred and one hundred forty seven losses? So, you know, it was uh, time for him to go. Time to move on for the Ducks and try to get a new head coach. Yeah, especially with a new GM, you want that GM to have a coach he trusts. We saw that with uh, Bill Armstrong in the Coyotes. He let Rick Tockett stay for a year, and then he fired him, replaced him with Andre Turney, who has been really good. We're big supporters here of him. Um, But I just think Dallas Eakins, like you said, there was no defense. They had the by far the worst goal differential in the league. It was minus a hundred and something. Let me just pull up that stat. But it was abysmal. He he relied a lot on John Gibson, which I think in this stage you can't rely on John Gibson like that uh, because you know he's not that good anymore. They had a negative a hundred and twenty nine goal differential. Again, by far the worst in the league. 
only one of her team reached near that, and that was Columbus, who also fired their head coach. But he's been in that organization for so long now that it was time. Uh, Pat Verbeek needs to get a coach that he trusts. Um, and Dallas Eakins is not it. I don't even see Dallas Eakins getting a assistant coach job uh, in any time short. I think he goes back to the AHL. I do too. I think he goes back to the AHL if anything because I just don't think he's that good anymore. And um, you know that's that's that he he does that Ducks team from someone who saw him twice in person, including once at home this past season. Their defense was the most atrocious thing ever. And that's coming from a Sharks fan. Um, and, yeah, I just did not like Dallas Aikens coaching. Um, the Ducks are better off without him, especially when you're having a team that uh, relies a lot on offense. You need to get some defense in there. And even with uh, a player that all he does is score lacrosse goals, um, Dallas Eakins still cannot coach this team. And I think that's one of the smartest decisions Pat Verbeek has made in a short time in Anaheim. So it'll be interesting who they go with. I think they go with a younger coach, someone that isn't as experienced, someone like Andre Turney. I think they take a flyer, uh, someone in that statue. Uh, what do you guys think? Um, yeah, I think that um, Ryan Gesloff will be the next head coach of the Ducks. That's bold. No, no, I, I don't think he's going to coach, but I, I I, don't think it's that outlandish just to say he, he'll be on that coaching staff in a few years. I think that he could. but Very well could be. Um, I, I feel like they're going to go the Canadians route where they kind of hire a former player. I, just, I think that would be a great fit there for the Ducks. Just, you know, a guy who, you know, could really help out just their players from the perspective of a former player, um, especially a guy who's won a lot. Um hmm. I don't have really anybody in mind, but I feel like St. Louis was such a perfect hire for the Canadians, and I, I think that would be such a good way for the Ducks to go. Yeah, I, I agree. Jessup, do you see anyone with the Ducks or see a coach that might fit the Ducks mold? I don't have anyone in mind, but if I were to get a coach, like I said, they're a young team. you got a lot of young talent on that team. You might even land Connor Bedard. I want to get someone in there who's got a lot more experience, who can coach these younger guys and bring them up that's played in the league before, kind of like how Tyler mentioned. you know, Someone like that, like I said, who has that veteran leadership. He's been in the NHL, he's coached in the NHL already, you know, to just kind of guide those younger players. Because some of these kids coming in, like I said, 18 years old, like I said, you're really young, trying to break into the league. Um, you know, and you do have younger guys who are also, like I said, in their, their 20s, 21, you know, the Trevor's years, whatnot. But like I said, someone like that to help coach these guys and kind of get them in the direction they would need to go. Yeah, uh, we have one more firing. This one's not a coach. This one's actually a GM, and that would be a mutual. Well, yeah, mutual. My bad. They're basically. I, I think he was going to get fired, even if he had a contract. Contracts over. Ah, exactly. It's smart thinking. But uh, Brad Tree Living of the Calgary Flames mutually parting ways with the Flames. It's been a long tenure for him in Calgary, and he's made a lot of interesting moves. But after the failure to make the playoffs this season, he is now gone from Calgary. Your thoughts, Tyler, first on the Brad Tree Living. I mean, I actually thought he did a good job. I think the only thing that he didn't do great was bringing in Daryl Sutter. As I don't think that's a great hire. Um, but, I mean, he wasn't... Uh, put in like the best situation especially last offseason he had to deal with two of his star players you know not even wanting to play in Calgary anymore 
And I mean, you can't blame him for Huberto's season, but turning uh, to Chuck into two good players in Huberto and Weger, I think he did a good job of kind of, you know, uh, taking his team who people thought weren't going to be very good and, you know, turning them into a team that still could contend uh, by bringing good players. Obviously, they underachieved the season, but I think that people overhate on him. I don't think he did a terrible job in his tenure there. The Flames were competitive pretty much every single year that he was there. Um, and I mean, the only I think the only thing that he did do great was was uh, bringing in Sutter uh, two years ago. But uh, I think he'll land a job in another office somewhere. Yeah, Jess, of your your opinions on Bradtree living? Uh, to- totally agree with what Tyler said right there. You know, they were always com- uh, competing. You know, night in, night out. You know, pretty close to a playoff spot. Ninety three points on the season. Like I said, just the West was. You know, that Western Conference was just loaded with a lot of talent, you know. So, I mean, like I said, you got the Knights who made the playoffs, 111 points, Oilers, Kings, like I said, cracking all over 100 points. And the Flames, like I said, landed at 93. So, obviously, you know, I mean, that West was tough to compete in. But, you know, Daryl Sutter, like like uh, you guys have mentioned, you know, I think he's kind of, you know, past his, his, his overdue stay in the NHL as a coach. You know, it just doesn't have the same, you know, run as it used to back in the day. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily, you know, all the GM about the flame season that they had. Uh, um, but hey, we'll see the, what direction they choose to go in. Yeah, I mean, if I were the Flames, I've been saying this for a long time now, it's time to rebuild. I mean, they obviously overhauled their core, most of their core at least, uh, last season. But I think uh, Brad Tree Living did a decent job up until the end. I think um, hiring Daryl Sutter was a big mistake. The fact that Daryl Sutter put Nick Ritchie in in the shootout to decide the season was the most hilarious thing I've seen recently. Um, I think the... Uh, trade deadline moves especially with the flames sitting outside a playoff spot and uh, i think it was obvious that they were making the playoffs i'm gonna be honest even though they were close but i just don't think they had that good enough of a team and i think um some i think a lot of his draft picks were good you look at uh players like johnny gaudreau um and matthew to uh, those were great players for calgary and you look recently and you have uh dustin wolf and he's going to be a great goaltender of the future. And Matt Coronado. Matt Coronado is another good one, yeah. Uh, Jacob Peltier is another one. We saw a lot of these players last year with the Stockton Heat, shout out, um, taking the next steps. And they did so this year again with the uh, Wranglers. Um, they were the best team in the uh, AHL. They were the best team they're this the, season. Yeah, and, and then they the best in the entire AHL? Or just the, the, the entire AHL, I believe. And then they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals last year with the Stockton Heat. Um, listen, I just think um, they should have rebuilt last year instead of getting Huberto, instead of getting Mackenzie Wieger, Nazem Kadri. I just think it's time to rebuild. You need to get rid of Sean Monaghan. You need to get r- rid of Elias Lindholm. I, I think it's time to take this new core and run with them. And I think they could easily do so uh, by using Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Wieger, and putting them with people like Matt Coronado, Jacob Peltier, Dustin Wolf, and Nett. But then you make all these other acquisitions like Troy Stetcher and Nick Ritchie, and it's like you're not ready to compete for a Stanley Cup. Your coaching most of the time was awful. Like, 
Bill Peters was an awful coach. Daryl Sutter was an awful coach. The dude that they had between that time was not that good. Wasn't his name like Geoff Ward or something? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think he's in the NHL right now. Um, a lot. I think that was a huge thing with um, Tree Living was that he, his coaching hires were absolutely awful. But I think his intentions were good. I think a lot of his drafting was really good. And I think a lot of his acquisitions were decent. I just think the Flames as over overall need to completely rid themselves of the last core of the the remaining uh, players from the Gaudreau to Chuck area, which is Elias Lindholm and uh, um, why am I forgetting Mikhail Backlund? And Majipani. I I think they keep. keep I think they keep Andrew Majipani. I think he's really good. He had a down year, but I think a lot of players had a down year with Daryl Sutter. I just don't think Daryl Sutter's that good of a coach. Ah, man, I, I, I just think you get rid of the remains of that era, including Jacob Markstrom. I think they trade Jacob Markstrom or Dan Bladar because I think Dustin Wolf is ready for the NHL, and I think you put him in ASAP. The fact that he's been the AHL's best goaltender for the past two seasons speaks volumes. Um, so if I was um complete um, that, you know, teardown of the drill era, start it off with a new era, get rid of your coach, I don't know who they hire as they're not as their next I mean, GM. They they said Sutter's staying. Yeah, well, uh, I just I don't see him being that good under Sutter as, as of now. I that, mean, that could change. Again, the fact that he put Nick Ritchie in the shootout to decide their season, and the fact that he hates the youth, he would always scratch them, including Jacob Peltier, Matt Coronado, was just disgraceful. And the comments he made were snide as well. And Flames players didn't even like that. So I think they they should move on from him. And the other thing is you need a new arena ASAP. Like, that arena is so trash. Uh, it's come to the point where even players are talking smack about it publicly. They need a new arena. But I will see what happens. I th- I don't know who they go for in next with their next GM. Hopefully not Ron Hextall. Um <laughs> Hopefully he stays away from hockey for a very long time. Uh, but there are good options up there. Uh, I know Doug Wilson is eyeing a return, although I don't see him as a top-tier GM with his eight-year contracts. He, well, yeah, even as a – don't remind me of that. Um, One of the only GMs with the banner. Yeah, that is the dumbest decision ever that they that the Sharks did that. Um, uh, Doug Wilson's out there. Beyond that, I mean, you could pick someone off the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know there's a dude, Eric Toski uh, from Carolina. He's someone that I really wanted the Sharks to hire. He helped construct this Carolina team that's been so dominant recently. There are some good GM options out there, and I wonder who they go with. Kyle Dubas, his contract is ending. Yeah, Penguins have been rumored to get Dubas. I I would like to see him get Eric Toski. We didn't ask you about that, Joe, but do you have any... um, Recommendations on who the Penguins should hire? Uh, as a GM, no, yeah. no, not 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 for the top of my my head right now at the moment. I mean, I, I'm you know like I said, really, really just interested to see where, where the direction is going to go. Like I said, this season just ended, so I'm sure they're probably looking at people right now. But I have nobody in mind as a GM right now. Yeah, I do want to add one quick thing to the Penguins before we move on. Sorry that we took away from the Brad Tree Living thing, um, but. This is a corporate group that owns the Penguins. We've seen mostly NHL fa- families uh, 
be ran by families. Sorry, NHL teams ran by families. This is one of the first times we've seen like a corporate group run a NHL, uh, an NHL team, uh, which is Fenway. So we'll see what happens with them. If it was my choice, I think that they go quickly and decide their new GM. But we do have two last things to talk about. This first one's going to be quick. Nigel Dawes, Corey Schneider retiring. Uh, you know, Tyler over here is a big Corey Schneider fan. So yeah. go ahead, Tyler. Take it away. <laughs> uh, uh, congrats, Corey, on a good career. Forever an <laughs> Islanders legend. That's, that's, that is an Islanders legend. Any thoughts on uh, Nigel Dawes and Corey Schneider, Joseph? Obviously not. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> no, it's okay. Any thoughts on Nigel Dawes and Corey Schneider as they retire? Uh, no, not enough. But I mean, if Tyler, Tyler seems like he's a big Islanders guy over here, so he, he might miss him. Uh, yeah, Corey Schneider, you know, Islanders legend. But we have one last topic to talk about, and this one might pique your interest, Joseph, because we've mentioned it on our radio show, What You're Talking About. Atlanta, it's coming. It's coming. The Thrashers are coming back, baby. Come on now. Um, so basically, uh, the eve of the playoffs three days ago, um, on this recording, obviously, um, the city of Atlanta, I believe, or the development group that's going to be behind this project, basically announced a Atlanta entertainment district that's going to be a little bit outside of Atlanta, but still in the city of Atlanta. It's going to feature some apartments, restaurants, uh, kind of like the Tempe Entertainment District that's being proposed here and will most likely pass here by Alex Morello. Um, and most importantly, it's going to feature a ice hockey arena, which is obviously hinting towards the NHL and Atlanta figuring out a way to get a third Atlanta NHL team there. We're all th- we're all fans of the Atlanta Thrashers here because the Atlanta Thrashers are legendary and elite. Tyler, you want to start us off with this massive news? Yeah, um, actually, Nigel Dawes actually played for the Thrashers for like nine games. So that's a Thrashers legend. It's kind of come full circle here. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I want the Thrashers back. I think we both do. We all do. Um, I, I, I think it'll happen. I definitely think they're gonna wait a few years because they just expanded. Um, with Vegas pretty and then Seattle super recently um I think that that by the time that Atlanta comes they're going to want to expand two teams I think that right now I'm leaning towards Salt Lake City coming into the league with Atlanta but I mean obviously the project they haven't even broken ground yet on the project Mm -hmm. I mean I think that uh we won't see them come into the league for another like four or five years at the earliest but uh I definitely think that's going in the right direction and that the league definitely wants Atlanta's such a big market. I mean, yeah. they have successful teams there with the the Braves. I mean, the Falcons were really good for a while. I mean, they have the fan base there, and I think that putting the team outside of like downtown Atlanta is actually um, better because we saw it didn't really work last time when they put them downtown in like a metro area. Uh, so I think that them being on kind of like the outskirts is going to be better for them. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that the league wants a team back in Atlanta just because of the market there. You obviously are going to have fans. And, uh, you know, I, I get that it didn't work out twice in the past, but um, I, I also think that third time's a charm, you know. I think, it'll, I think it'll work out this time. And I think that 
Um, it's something that not only is like uh, like the fans looking forward to, but I think that the players will probably be looking forward to having another team back in Atlanta. Yeah, before I get to your opinions, Joe, I do want to sh- uh, share a little bit more facts about this project. So it's called The Gathering. It would feature a 18,000-seat venue. Uh, it would also feature 2,400 residential units, 500 hotel rooms, along with uh, 1 million square feet of office space, a 90,000-square-foot community center and ice rink, 600,000 square feet of retail space, and a 15,000-square-foot fire station. This is all outside, uh, obviously, Atlanta, uh, with a 52... Uh, wait, no, sorry. This is, So someone already paid for this land, which is $52 million in August, to buy the 101-acre development state, and that was Vernon Cause uh, who paid for this. And... This project would be completed in 2033, but the arena would take roughly three years to build. So I'm assuming they would build the arena first and then build everything alongside it, which is what I believe the Coyotes are also doing. But it sounds like most likely this will happen. It's all going to be privately funded, like the Coyotes Tempe Entertainment District. Joseph, your thoughts on the Thrashers potentially making a return in this uh, project in Atlanta? We talked about Brad Larson, you know, being uh, uh, fired by Columbus. He uh, was a former uh, um, Atlanta Thrasher himself. So, hey, maybe we need to coach. But all, uh, in all seriousness, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, Quebec's got to be pretty upset then if they do end up going with the next expansion team than it being Atlanta because we know Quebec has been looking for one for quite a while now. But, I mean, yeah, Chase, we did have the conversation about about this because I mean I think everyone wants to see the Atlanta Thrashers return. I mean they had like I said some of the greatest players playing over there. You know Ilya Kovalchuk was you know one of them. But um, Kobe Armstrong. <laughs> what? Kobe Armstrong. <laughs> yeah, Kobe Armstrong too. Uh, uh, you know who else do we have? Danny Heatley I believe played for that team too. Did he not? Yeah, Mr. Fifty, uh, Marion Hosa. Yeah. Marion Hosa. Uh, yeah. uh, Sharks legend Evander Kane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blake uh, Wheeler. Yeah, Blake Wheeler too was another one, and uh, you know, like I said, uh, people like enjoyed seeing that team play. So I mean, I'm sure that'll create a lot of buzz for the NHL having that team come back and being in Atlanta. I just wanted to see, you know, how their games would turn out again. Yeah, I mean, oh man. First off, the Thrashers had one of the sickest logos ever. They had one of the sickest jerseys ever. I actually have one of their baby blue powder blue jerseys. That is one of the sickest jerseys. And that jersey needs to come back ASAP. Um, And I don't think the Thrashers failed because of population. Because if you look at their attendance, they were never bottom of the league. It was always Coyotes, Islanders. Obviously, um, now that the Jets are there, uh, from Atlanta, they have a smaller arena, so do you really count them? No, but it was mainly these bottom feeding teams like the Coyotes, the Islanders, the Panthers that'd be in the bottom of attendance, and then you would have the Thrashers uh, higher than them. So it arguably like it wasn't because of attendance because we did also see the one time that they did make the playoffs, uh, it, it sold out every game, and it looked like a really fun place to be. It was because ownership was absolutely 
awful. <laughs> and the arena was awful as well. So they got the heck out of there. And if they bring in stable ownership for this one and this arena turns out to be this great thing, what it, uh, what it looks to be, then I think it's going to thrive in Atlanta because I really do think Atlanta is a hockey market. I think they're a big sports market. I went there this summer. I saw a Braves game. That was so much fun. One of the coolest baseball experiences I've ever had. I know you hate the Braves. It's okay. Um, their MLS team is drawing so much attendance too. Like it's this is a sports market. This is a market that I think the NHL really wants to get back into. I think they really um, regret their past experience in Atlanta. Um, obviously the Atlanta Flames were way before Gary Bettman's tenure, but I think it's worth it going back to Atlanta. And I agree with you, Tyler. I think if they do choose to expand, which I really do think it's going to happen within the next 10 years. Um, I think, uh, Atlanta and Salt Lake city are the two, uh, cities that get the next one. I think Quebec and Houston are then after that. Cause Quebec just needs a solid ownership group. They have the arena. Um, Houston has everything, but I mean, Atlanta has a lot going for them. And now Salt Lake City has a lot going for them too with an owner that the NHL has publicly said they want to work with. But this this, uh, project seems like a great idea. We obviously have something going on like that here in Tempe, in Arizona, with the Tempe Entertainment District. But yes, by the way, I'm props 30133. But just like the Tempe Entertainment District, this one's going to be uh, privately funded as well. So no taxpayer money is going towards it. And I think this is a great idea. I think the Thrashers need to come back ASAP. Yeah, I'm just interested to see when it gets done because I think the arena will be done much earlier than everything else there and uh at least with with the islanders the same thing happened the arena's done now it's been done for a while but mm-hmm. the areas you know they're still building up the whole areas you know they're building hotels there it's gonna be a whole nice area over there by belmont but Batman has said that he doesn't want to bring all-star game to draft there until everything is done so uh i'm thinking that you know since the league just expanded we just got the kraken that they maybe wait until like 2032, 33, until everything there is fully done. They can bring the draft there, bring the All-Star game in like their first year um, and really have like that whole area done and built up by the time the Thrashers go there. Because, I mean, that's still like, what, like eight years away? I don't even know a year. Yeah. Years away. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder if, because we just expanded, if they don't put it in, in the arena right away when it's done and they wait till the whole place is complete. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, do you guys think they bring the Thrasher's name and logo back? Joseph, you want to go first on that? Joe? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely could see them bringing back the same name, logo, everything. Uh, like I said, I, I think it's what the people want, too, obviously. So why would you not bring it back? I feel like it's it's a great marketing point for the NHL, too, for bringing in another expansion team. Do you know how many jerseys would sell? If they brought that team back, it would be going crazy. So I mean, I, I I can see them doing exactly that because the NHL is making so much money off of it. Yeah, yeah. I think either way, like the uh, NHL is going to get so much money off of this. But Tyler, do you think they bring back the name and the logo? Uh, I think the name and the logo come back, but uh, I think that they go for a whole new um, like jersey design and everything. I, maybe they switch up the colors a little bit because. I think that they go back to Atlanta, they're going to want to embrace the history, but at the same time, they're going to want to, you know, 
move on and kind of like rebrand and be like this is a new era in atlanta mm. you know we don't want to be that old thrashers team where we were pretty bad every year we only had one <laughs> year of like actual success i think people want the thrashers back and they want they're going to want to be the thrashers but they're also going to want to be a new version of the thrashers so i think that they they go back to the name go back to the logo i think we might see a slightly different color scheme probably different jerseys but uh, I definitely would love to see them keep the name. But I, I think it would be good for them to, you know, change things up and kind of be a new version of the Thrashers. Yeah, I think we saw that with Winnipeg when they yeah. became the Jets again. You know, they basically had the whiteouts, which was like the old Jets. And they didn't have the same jerseys until much later. M- much recently, they've started to bring back the old Jets uh, logos and stuff. But, I mean, I think you bring back the Thrashers because... I mean, again, sick name, sick logo, sick jersey. Next time in, I'm in California, I'm, I'm bringing that Thrasher's jersey back home, back here, because it's just so sick. I would rock that thing everywhere. But any final thoughts about Atlanta and the NHL, guys? I'm excited for the, the Thrasher's to come back. Might have to wait like 10 years, but, uh, you know, I don't really remember the Thrashers. The only time I, I saw the Thrashers, I was like three, and I don't remember that game at all. But, uh, yeah, it would be pretty cool to see a Thrashers game that I actually remember. Yeah, same here. Joey, final thoughts on the Atlanta? Uh, no, like I said, I would love to see them bringing back the Atlanta Thrashers and uh, being the next expansion team in the NHL. All right, well, there you go. We're pretty much done with this podcast, but we got a couple things to say. One, like always, vote yes and props 103, or was it 301 through 303 to approve the Tempe Entertainment District if you're a Tempe citizen. We're going to have a podcast breaking that down once that uh, vote comes out, May 16th. Very important date. But we have another important date to announce. Tyler and I will be live streaming the draft lottery um, where the Sharks have a chance to get Connor Bedard along with other teams. Um you're probably going to see me uh, throw something because the Sharks are not going to get a top three overall pick because that's what they do. Um, but we're, we will be doing that. We don't know how it's going to be set up yet. I think we're going to try a live stream it on YouTube. But Tyler will be back in New York by that time, so it's going to be difficult. But we're going to try to get it done for you guys. Um, and, yeah, those are the two things. Obviously, playoffs coming on. Coming on. It's been a lot of fun. Um I know Joe's been sleeping through most of the games, um, but you know, uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and yeah. So we'll start with Joe again. Thank you, Joseph Furtado, for coming on the show. Joe, where can they find you at on Twitter? Uh, Jay Furtado ninety seven, or you can uh, uh, also give uh, H. Womantaki a shout out too. Yeah, absolutely. Again, like we say, almost every podcast, uh, all of the ASU sports, especially ASU women's hockey. Go check them out. Go follow them. Lovely to watch. So much fun to watch. Obviously, me and Joe are a big part of it. And then Tyler's coming on next season, most likely. So that's going to be a lot of fun. But Tyler, where can they find you at on Twitter? Uh, TylerCast underscore, like always. And Oh, yeah, but you got to keep mentioning it, Tyler. Come on now. And then uh, for me, like always, uh, Chase Beardsley underscore. Thank you guys so much for listening again to the Desert Shift Podcast. We appreciate your support. And we will see you guys next week for more playoff fun. He put the mirrors off his Cadillac. Yes, he doesn't like you looking like he looks bad.